You're listening to the Cheer Biz Podcast, where we dive into the business of running and owning your gym. Join us as we speak to industry experts, business gurus, and discuss how we can take your passion and turn it into profit. Let's get to it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Cheer Biz Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Cotton, and today we are talking about what you you should be doing if you have a toxic parent atmosphere in your gym, in your lobby, or surrounding one of your teams. Now, before we get into the episode, as always, I'm going to ask you to head on over to Cheer and Gymnastics Gym Owners if you are a gym owner and join that Facebook group. If you are a coach or a coach and owner, head on over to All Star uh, coaches and owners. And if you are a gym owner or you're interested in learning more about next generation gym owners, head on over to nextgenowners.com where you can learn all about how to join the academy and all the other offerings next gen has for you. The last thing I'm going to plug is you've got to get signed up for our conference January 5th through the 7th of 2024 in beautiful San Diego. It's going to be an absolutely amazing one and you are not going to want to miss it. We have a bunch of phenomenal instructors. We've got Callie Seitzer, Sean Guzman, Jess and Adam Forte, uh, myself, Jeff Benson, uh, Danielle Johnston, Shelly Shepard, Rihanna, all of our next gen coaches. Like we have so many amazing people presenting amazing content at this conference. I said amazing a lot there because, well, it's going to be that amazing. The last thing is we only have 10 more spots to join our academy in 2023. So if you are looking to join the academy and get assigned to a coach, get start getting some mentorship and start getting your business to where it really can be, now is the time you don't want to wait because those spots are going to fill up. Now, this topic came specifically from our academy. One of our next-gen clients who works with us was in our private Facebook group, which is a great place to ask questions. And she basically relayed a story to us that she had a group of very toxic parents, uh, specifically around one team. And I don't want to out her entire story, but I'm going to give some generalizations. So she had a group of parents uh, who were very negative about a team's potential for success based off of where it is at right now. And and we're talking about posting in She's posting this in early November. So where this team is at right now and should they even try to go compete at an end of season event like Summit and approaching changes to the routine really negatively and just overall being really, really negative about the team's not good enough. The team doesn't have the potential it's supposed to have. These changes are unnecessary. They're not going to be successful. They're not going to win. What are we doing? We're wasting our times and just spreading a lot of gossip and just causing a bunch of negativity. Um, And so they were unhappy about all of these different things. And what I'm going to do in this episode is I'm going to go through my initial reaction to what she was telling me, as well as, and, and posting really, not telling me directly, my initial reaction to the issue, then what I would do in this circumstance, like what I would recommend doing as some different options. And then I'm going to talk about some things that were suggested by others and my opinion on those things, whether or not I think they are good advice, bad advice, or some just concerns. Because this is one of the great things about getting gym owners together is you start to brainstorm. And no one had a bad idea, but some people have ideas that I 
think it's important to touch on like what some of the negative consequences could be and and really every choice could have a negative consequence to it so understanding those so i just i'm going to break down a couple other suggestions that came up that aren't necessarily exactly what i would say to do so my initial reaction is wow this is so insane on so many levels and so i'm just going to break down the flaws in logic that i see with this initial thing this is my initial reaction this isn't what i'm i would be saying to the parents but number 1 is it's freaking november like it's november november is important and every single month in a cheer season is important, but it also has no actual bearing to the end of season in the sense of just because a team is not hitting their routine in November does not mean they can't be hitting amazing routines by May. I have had teams that were crushing life early in the season that later in the season were a hot mess. And I've had scenes that teams that were a hot mess all the way up to mid-January, early February even, that then went on to kill it at end-of-season events. I can use my Worlds team from last year as an example. Our first event in December, they were a hot mess. A hot mess. Like, we got last place. Not just last place in our division, but like last place of all the Worlds teams. So maybe we got second to last place. But like, we did bad. We had a lot of deductions. Uh, It was not good. We did not look good. We did not look polished. We were not put together. And then we went to our event in the end of January and we slayed it. We had a deduction, but we killed it. And we ended up getting a paid bid. And they ended up going to Worlds and crushing it. Had one touchdown, a freak touchdown issue. They did amazing. They they did everything we could have asked of them in terms of hitting their routine. They represented themselves well. They should have been proud of what they did and like absolutely crushed it. But if I showed you where they were, even in October, late October, early November, their showcase even, they were not good. They were not there. So good things take time. Teams take time to develop and you can't just judge it off of November. Number two, getting all wrapped around the axle about routine changes and things like that is unnecessary. Routines are going to change. Uh, I go and travel and do choreography. I do choreography for my own teams. Anytime I'm starting choreography for anyone, I always say, I have been coaching cheer for over 20 years. I have never choreographed a routine, been on a routine, on a team where we had choreography or coached a team that got their choreography and after choreography ended on day two of choreography, did the routine never change from that moment? It was always exactly the same. I've never seen it. Routines are going to constantly evolve. You're going to constantly see little issues, need to change transitions. Maybe you're going to add an element here, or you realize that a decision that you made a month ago that made sense doesn't make sense anymore, and you make changes. I just got done doing this with all of our teams. We brought in an outside uh coach who we work with through camps and is a good friend. She came in and she went through all of our routines and she made adjustments and she repped things out and we changed some counts and we cleaned things up. That's what cleanup camps exist to do is to clean up routines. They're not cleaning up routines by just doing it a hundred times. They're cleaning up routines by dialing things in, tweaking formations a little bit, changing motions a little bit. You know, there's going to be changes and sometimes there's going to be wholesale changes that need to happen. So that's just a 
a necessary part of the game. So sometimes you don't want to see how the sausage is made from a parent's perspective. So if you don't like that, if you don't like seeing that, then I would highly suggest you don't watch because this is how the sausage is made. We're going to make changes to the routine. People's spots are going to change. No one has a, like, no one's spot is their spot. It is a spot in the routine that you are currently occupying. That's what I always tell my kids. I'm like, you are occupying a space in the routine. That's not your spot. That will change throughout the season. It's very unlikely that that will be your spot forever. Or if even if you're in that spot forever, it's very unlikely that every single person you're in that spot with is going to stay the same the entire time. I've changed almost every single group on my medium level four team by at least one modification. And I've changed their sequences. I've like those things happen. It just is going to happen. My world's team, the same thing. Every single one of our teams, things are constantly evolving. So those are just two big flaws in the logic. Now, how do we approach this situation? So what would be my recommendation? Well, if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you probably know what my first recommendation is. And that is educate, educate, educate. The more your parents can understand the thought process, the more they can understand cheer, the more they can understand the reasons that we're making the decisions that we make, the more you will reduce these kind of issues. People who are educated will get it, right? And this is why you see issues like this a little more often with new parents um, or parents who think they know, but really have no idea. And if you are not the person who is educating your parents and you're just allowing them to educate themselves through um, cheer mom Facebook groups and what they see at competition and the rumors that they hear and what their kids tell them, then you're not giving them the best possible information you can. And I do think it's great to utilize outside resources like this podcast, like Jason Larkin's podcast, like the Cheer Mom podcast. Those are great to send people to. I mentioned it on my um, coffee and conversation uh, stuff that I was talking about with Jason Larkin's as well as my Get to Know Your Parents episode. Utilize other resources, but it is so critical that they also hear your voice because everyone does it a little bit differently and it's going to mean something more if they're hearing it from you. So educate, 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 educate. One of the best ways to educate is doing live videos. You can stream them on Band or on Facebook or on whatever app you use. Most of them have the ability to go live. If you can't go live, pre-record it. Although I think live is better because it allows people to ask questions. My other bit of advice for this situation is maybe, even though this goes against everything I would normally say with NextGen, close practices for the time being. This team, because this group of parents is negative, is not allowed, those parents are not allowed to stay and watch practices. Practices are closed to you right now because of the parents' behavior. It's not the kids' behavior that's bad in this circumstance, it's the parents. And so for now, because you guys can't handle to see how the sausage is made, you're not going to get to see that. The kitchen is now closed to your viewing. And we just shut that off. Um, that's going to reduce some of the drama initially, but it's, it's going to create drama if you don't tack on the education as well. Number three, if you feel you need to uh, have one-on-one -on -one meetings with the people who are the issue, right? Sit down and talk to them. Oftentimes people want to be heard. And so letting them be heard and saying, okay, I'm here. Tell me what your concerns are. Tell me your thoughts. Uh, it can go a long way in uh, having people calm down a little bit, bring them down to the level you want them to be at. 
Uh, create a list of expectations. We have in our parent room a list of parent room expectations. And if you are not following it, you understand that you may be removed from the parent room and told you're not welcome there. Now, we try to avoid doing this as much as we can. Uh, we try to, again, educate our parents and let them know, hey, you did this. It was not really appropriate. You know, kind of three strikes you're out thing, depending on how serious it is. We don't frequently, if ever, kick parents out of the parent room. It's happened on very few occasions. And number five is, this is kind of a more passive aggressive one, but if you need to, place a video and audio recording device right in the parent room and say, you are being audio and video recorded. And at least initially, you'll find that people will mind their P's and Q's a little bit. Then they'll get comfortable with it being there. And then you can go back and listen to the conversations. Or when people say so-and-so is saying something, you can pull up the video and audio and you can confirm. And you can go, yep, you're right. They did. And then you can go to that person. You can say, you said this. And they'll go, no, I, I didn't say that. And you can play them the recording. Yes, you did. Right. And it can hold people accountable a little bit better. Now, again, that's a little more passive aggressive. I don't know if it's the best option. It's a, it's a little more confrontational, um, but it can work. And if it depends on how significantly widespread the issue is here. But those would be my five recommendations. If you're going through this would be like the things that I would go to kind of first. Um, and again, the big one being educate, educate, educate. Do we have issues with our parents every once in a while, but they're pretty rare and they're almost never for years. We have not had issues of like groups of parents becoming very toxic. Um, they may have their little hiccup moments, right? Their little frustrations when maybe a team isn't as successful as they want and all the parents are a little bit frustrated, but the more we communicate and the more we talk to them and the more we educate, the better things tend to go. Now let's talk about a couple of the suggestions that came up and and some of my thoughts on pros and cons of these suggestions that came from other people. So number one was to look at what the contract says and determine whether or not parents get a say in these kind of decisions. I think that's a really good thing to do. You should go back and look at what did I agree to? What did parents come into this thinking was the case when they're talking about like, well, we shouldn't even go to summit um, or we shouldn't go to an end of season event or we shouldn't go to this competition because we're not good enough. I think it's really good to go back and look at what your contract says. Um, however, if your contract does say that it is a group decision, I would highly encourage you as a gym owner to change that. Uh, it is going to take a lot of drama in your life out if you stop doing things by committee. Uh, and I know that that is not all, everyone likes to be inclusive. They like to hear people's opinions. I'm more than willing to hear people's opinions. Um, uh, but at the end of the day, the buck stops with me and I've got big shoulders, so if you want to be mad at me, be mad at me. I'm fine with that. I don't really care um, because I know my worth. I know what I'm delivering for my clients. I know what my goals are for the athletes, so I'll take that on if I need to. I mentioned this in a previous episode, but this is why I, I try to avoid things like public surveys where people's names are there because I think it creates a toxic environment, right? Because now they're like petitioning to each other and they're playing politics. So if I do a survey, it's like anonymous, and I'm going to say, you know, what are you interested in? We did one last year about end of season events. You know, what, what events, travel events did you like? What end of season events are you interested in going to? Do you want to go to summit even if we don't have paid bids or do you only want to go if we have paid bids, things like that? Cause getting to summit and when you're from the West coast is pretty expensive. And it was really interesting because we got very resounding results. Like there was no question. We got a pretty good sample size, probably about uh, 80% of our clients voted so it was really helpful for us to make some decisions that way. Uh, but going back to the parent is always good. 
but if you have that in your contract, that parents are a part of that decision-making process, I'd be very cautious and I'd try and get that out in the future. Uh, number two would be to, uh, the next one was a divide and conquer approach and revisiting the core values in the gym. So divide and conquer, meaning get the parents separated, sit down and have conversations with each of them individually, rather than having a group meeting and revisiting core values. Now, uh, what I'm going to really discuss first off, revisiting core values is always great. Like you should absolutely do that. Reemphasize it with the parents and the athletes on the divide and conquer. I actually think that's a really good idea. Because your instinct may be, I'm going to pull everyone in and I'm going to, you know, get the whole group together and I'm just going to lay the hammer down. Okay. That can work in very few circumstances. That would probably work in my gym because people are scared of me. And so I, I don't try for them to be, I don't want them to be, I try to build those relationships, but, uh, my face, my baldness, I don't know. It carries a level of intimidation for people. Um, and so it might work if I went in there and I just said, this is how it is. I'm laying the hammer down. I don't want to hear any ifs, ands, or buts about it. There's the door. Um, do I think that would be good for the long-term retention of my program? I actually don't. So if you have a big group meeting, what can happen is uh, your group of four or five disgruntled individuals now sit together and then they bring a voice to their complaints. And then people who didn't have those complaints or concerns are being introduced to those ideas and complaints and concerns. And it can very quickly turn on you. And now you have a whole group of 10, 15, 20 people who are all a little bit PO'd who maybe only four or five of them were at first. So I, I don't recommend this as a strategy. Um, from my years working in law enforcement, I just haven't seen great things from emotionally charged groups of people. They tend to not make the best decisions and they tend to influence each other. That's why there are things like mob behavior. Now, is it going to be a mob in your lobby? Certainly hope not, but it's just a small scale one. And there's a reason that when people are in mobs, they do things that they would not normally do and say because their emotions get charged and that everyone kind of spins each other up. So I think that that's a really not ideal circumstance, especially when you're talking about this. Do, are group meetings great? Yes. When they're positive, group meetings are fantastic. But like, let's hash out this issue and I'm going to have me one versus you 20. It's very unlikely it's going to go your way. So I like dividing and conquering, sitting down and having one-on-one -on -one conversations with people, hearing out their concerns, but not having them be in the position where they're going to hear someone else's concern and then that's going to bias them towards that idea. And then they didn't even think that before, but now they're like, yeah, I agree with that. And now they're on that team. It can create some challenges there. So just handle their concerns directly and move on from them. Uh, the last piece of advice we're going to talk about is someone suggested kicking the most toxic person in their family out of the program. Um, this can be very effective. I, I think there is some nuance to this. Um, have I kicked people out of my gym before? Yes, I have. Uh, do I wish I hadn't? Yes. And no, like their behavior. I think, I don't think I made the wrong decision when I did, but it, always creates challenges. Um, and it's not my favorite thing to do. I would have loved nothing more than to find a way for that not to happen. Uh, because it, what there was a lasting effect. Um, now that said, there are certain circumstances where you need to do it. However, 
I typically try to find every possible way to not. And depending on what this person is doing, I'm certainly not going to kick them out of my gym. Like I personally do not kick people out of my gym just because they questioned me. I might tell them that our gym isn't the best place for them. And I've actually, I've told people that semi-recently. I've said, if this is the way you're going to conduct yourself, then I would encourage you to find another place to do cheerleading. I, I stand by, I'm not kicking them out. I'm just saying, if you're going to act like this and you don't like the way I do business, then I would suggest you go somewhere else because I'm going to listen to you, but I'm not going to change who I am at my core. That is who I am and that is who I am going to be. Kicking a toxic person out, again, can be good, but I fe- I typically like their behavior. I don't like their behavior. Their behavior has to be something pretty extreme right? Pretty over the top that I would have to kick them out. And then I would generally, in a circumstance like this, I'd kick the parent out first. I'd say, you're not allowed to watch practices because of your behavior, because of your toxicity. Now, if the kid is also a problem, then maybe that is a consideration to make. But generally, it's like the parent's negative, but the kid's great. I'm going to ask the parent to not attend. They can come to competitions, but they can't come and watch except for the last five minutes. Um, And make that the rule for them. And if they can live by that, then great. So that kid can still do what they love to do and be a part of their team. So that's not the route that I go. I'm not a big fan of, of kicking one person out. Now, do I think it is an effective strategy to sometimes, you know, make a sacrifice of one to get everybody in line? Yeah, actually I I do. It can be a very effective technique to let people know that you mean business. Uh, You're going to have to weigh that out. It really depends on how significant the issue is. If it is that significant, then maybe it is what you need to do. Um, But I would make really sure that you're like, this is either going to be a make or break moment. Like I either turn this around or all 20 of these families are not going to come back next year and it may even bleed over to other families, then yeah, then you may need to call the herd a little bit. But otherwise, if it's not that significant and you have time to make a change, then make a change. So as we leave, I just want to remind you that toxicity is going to come and go in your gym. Most likely, it's going to come when you think you have everything great and you hit the cruise control. Okay, so if you've been in business for a while, it's going to be most likely when you hit the cruise control. If you haven't been in business for a while, it is almost assuredly going to happen within the first three to five years. You're going to face some challenges with it, and maybe even earlier, it could be two to five, but everyone goes through this at some point in time as a gym owner. Uh, for us, it was a right, right around years three through five were pretty rough and challenging in that manner. Um, but it's going to rear its ugly head again when you hit that cruise control because cruise control is a recipe for disaster. Uh, You are just kind of sitting back and being like, we got it. We're good. And once you stop updating and stop innovating and stop elevating your level of service and experience, you are going to potentially encounter some significant speed bumps, uh, which you don't want to do on cruise control. You want to be able to break going into those speed bumps or avoid them completely. So as you leave the episode, what I want you to do is I want you to get proactive, start engaging with your parents, build relationships, open lines of communication. If you're an academy client, go through the client success journey process with your coach. That's our proprietary process. It's absolutely fantastic. 
Your culture will always be what you allow it to be. So pay attention to it, make it what you want it to be, and don't give up. Don't give up on creating the culture that you want. When you do that, the people who don't fit, they will work their way out. They will find their way out because they'll, they'll, they won't like it because they don't fit into that culture. So build the culture that you want, make it what you want it to be, and be proactive about it. All right, everyone. I hope you enjoyed the episode. As always, check out the Let's Talk Cheer podcast with Jason Larkins and the Cheer Mom podcast, both awesome podcasts to listen to. I think I told you that I had the episode with Justin Carrier coming out on Tuesday of this week. I lied. It's going to be this coming Saturday. We're taking just a little bit more time to edit it beautifully. Um, there was my audio level was off, so it's my bad. But we're getting. It's going to sound amazing. Great conversation with Justin Carrier. You're not going to want to miss it. So that's going to come out this coming Saturday. Um, that's like November 17th or 18th. I, I'm not looking at my calendar. All right, everyone. I hope you enjoyed it. With that, we'll catch you on the next episode. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Cheer Biz Podcast. If you would like to be featured on our podcast, click the link in our description to apply. If you're interested in joining NextGen, visit our website at www.nextgenowners.com. And lastly, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast to make sure you don't miss any future episodes. Thanks for listening.